0: So I want to encourage you this morning. What happened here was the Spirit. This was, you're never going to forget this church service. Hello, visitors. (laughs) Because this is a picture of what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. He wants to bust out. And this morning, Ella sent me a prophetic word. She saw a picture of roots underground that began busting through the concrete. That's what the Spirit's doing. He's busting through the areas that we've layered that are hard in our lives, you know? And he's bringing life. And that's what this community is to the city, to this nation, is the busting out of the Spirit into places that are hard, that are man-made, the structure of man. No, the kingdom of God is breaking out and he's bringing life. He's bringing life. So this morning, I actually didn't know that it was Pentecost Sunday, um, but I was going to preach, and I'm going to come back to the process of promise, which I preached about two weeks ago, and I want to talk about Joseph. But the Holy Spirit was like, I want you to talk about walking, like following me off the map. So it's very, very appropriate for today. Little did I know what he was going to do. I read this super interesting article this week. Um, it, was, it was about a book written by Alvin Toffler in 1970 called Future Shock. Okay? Sorry, 1965. This book was written in 1965. And Toffler says, Future Shock is the shattering stress and disorientation that we induce in individuals by subjecting them to too much change in a short period of time. 65, 1965. Future shock is a dizzying disorientation brought on by the premature arrival of the future. It may very well be the most important disease of tomorrow. Okay, he wrote this book when these changes were happening between 1955 and 1960. The birth control pill was introduced. Television became universalized. Commercial jet travel came into being. And a whole raft of other technological events. And that was causing future shock because the change was so huge back in 1965. And he wrote this book. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that's what we're living on. That's what we're living in now. 2022, let's just have a little look at our own world in upheaval. Global pandemic, political and religious landscape, the technological innovation and rate of change, the reality of the online social media space, it's like future shock is when you stay in your culture like you stay in your home and yet your culture feels completely foreign to you because of the rate of change that things are coming at you coming at you coming at you and it creates this like overwhelming like disorientation and exhaustion and fatigue and i thought oh my goodness it feels a lot like that at the moment globally we're tired the amount of change, having walked through what we did in the last two years. I think a lot of people um, move to the coast because they're looking for the simplicity of what we feel like. That was what we felt like we had. And it's beautiful because there are spaces that make us feel that. But I want to say, you were created to thrive amidst the chaos. You, it is actually your original purpose. Can I tell you why? Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden a place of complete trust with the Father, a place of shalom, peace, and well-being. And what was their mandate? Subdue the chaos on the other side of the garden. Extend the boundary of peace. Extend the boundary of God's kingdom. Be fruitful in your lives and bring the order, the beauty of this place to the world, to the darkness and the chaos around you. It's the original mandate. And as we reborn as sons and daughters, we receive that mandate again from this internal garden, where you are joined in life union with Jesus, where you are joined to the shalom peace. You are not bound to chaos. You are bound to peace, the Prince of Peace. From there, we are fruitful and we subdue and we bring his kingdom in every area of our life. And so we need to change our position from wanting to control. Can we just control all these circumstances? Because I feel safe when I control. To Spirit's not, can I, Spirit's not into control. Spirit's not into all circumstances aligning. I don't know if anyone got that. Led by the Spirit. Trusting step by step that God has a good future for us. That his kingdom is expanding. Yes, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of shock. There's a lot of... But we live in a different kingdom. We live in a different reality. And that's why this soaking, presence-led is everything. If it is a theological concept to us, guys, we are dead in the water. And too much of the church for too many years, I receive everything of this in here but it's not here, and it's not the way of the Spirit. You can have all of this fact of how, but if you don't have the way, it's actually dead. But it's alive in the togetherness with the Spirit, and we've got to be led by His way, His nature. I tell you, I can spend one minute with someone, and I can feel if it's the nature of God or if it's here. So here at The Collective... We are learning to be led by the Spirit, day by day, moment by moment. And I think at the moment, a bunch of us, I would say the majority of us, are going through circumstances. Shiona said to me, it feels like my circumstances are like fires, that need to be put out. But every time I go near them, I pour gasoline on them and they just like erupt, you know? And I think for many of us, we feel that way. You're just going like, I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to get this under control. It's like you're, I mean, two weeks ago, my car stopped working once the Sunday, the Sunday morning, like literally a week later robs. So it's not just one, it's the gasoline, you know? But in that, it's there, the Spirit's like, I want to teach you. I want to teach you here because I'm going to make you sons and daughters that live by my spirit step by step, not as an intellectual concept. Yeah, I leave, you know, I walk by the Spirit. No. You know him. This that we experience today is not foreign, it's a day by day walking reality as we learn to soak in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, I. Oh. I'm going to come back to a lot of this another day. But um, I've been looking at, Lord, okay, so when the the circumstances are so hard and and, and trying and difficult, globally, personally, whatever, um, you know, how do we position ourselves in that? Like, what's the wisdom of God? Because, um, you know, wisdom from the Lord is heavenly revelation, but it's practical understanding. It really is. It's got to translate into our circumstances. The, the wisdom from the Lord has to translate in how I do my marriage, how I am as a parent, um, our business, our, our church community. has got to. So when I look at the circumstances, I'm like, Lord, what are we doing wrong? Are we doing something wrong? You know, because you want the wisdom of God. But he showed me something so interesting, both in um, Psalm 46 and in Isaiah 43. I'm going to quickly read to you, and I'm reading from uh, the Passion translation just because it's so descriptive. It says, so Psalm 46, God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in times of trouble. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away, we will not fear. When the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea, the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. So here the psalm starts, crashing waves, roaring seas, every structure of support crumbling. You're like, okay, what's the answer? Very next verse. God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of God most high into his holy dwelling place. You're like, how's that the answer to everything's crumbling? The Lord is saying, there, everything's crumbling. Where's my spirit? Are your eyes on that? Or are you asking, where's my spirit moving? Because in his body, that's you and me, it's so beautiful. We're a river, each one of us a well and a river, and together we're this massive river. It's like each one of us are a branch connected to the vine, and together we're the vineyard. Isn't that so beautiful? The Lord is like, that's what's happening. Are you looking for my spirit? Because through you and in you is the spirit of God. Um, bringing joy and delight to you, my river. That river described in Ezekiel forty-seven. My river that brings healing to the nations, brings life to dead places. That river is flowing in and through you. Are you watching that? Are you releasing that? It's so interesting. It's the same in Isaiah forty-three, and I'm reading from the message just because the wording is so is so powerful. Um, please go read it in different translations. You know me. I love Amplified, NIV, uh, The Passion, and, and The Message. Isaiah 43. Um, Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it will not be a dead end because I am God, your personal God. You're between a rock and a hard place. He's like, don't worry. Okay, so what's the answer, the Lord? This is what the Lord says: the God who builds a road through the ocean and carves a path through pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies. This this sounds good, right? And they lie down and then they can't get up. They're snuffed out like many candles. This is what he says. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert and present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. It's exactly the same. All this is happening. There's a rock and a hard place. You're like, gunk. God, can you open this door? How are you going to open this door? What must I do to open this? What must I do to fix this? He's like, are you alert and present to what I'm doing? Are you alert and present to the brand new thing that I'm doing? Are you prepared to not have answers for that? But trust me, day by day, to lead you as you focus on alert and present to what he's doing. Where is the life? Where is the life? I promise you, as much as the challenge is there, there is life of the Spirit. I can feel it as he's moving this morning. It's fruitfulness. It's life. So as a community, we need to learn in this global time of upheaval to be led by the Spirit the way that Jesus was led by the Spirit, alone. So when this is happening and we don't have answers, say to yourself, where is the Spirit? I'm going to focus my attention. He's with me. He's in me. Okay, what's what's he saying? I'm going to slow down. I'm going to still myself. I'm going to take the time because otherwise, you know, you just get crazy frenetic. I had a picture in prayer meeting two weeks ago. I could hear the rhythm of the Father's heart. It's the heartbeat of heaven, the Father's heart, his plans, his purposes, his kingdom. And then I could hear this like, this like fast pace that was out out of rhythm. And I thought that's exactly how our lives get. When we get into the connection, the binding to the chaos, we get out of rhythm with the spirit, the step of the spirit. And you feel it. And we've got to learn to say, I need to step aside from that chaos and I need to Isaiah 43, where are you working? Let me be alert and present to where the Spirit is. That's our strategy. And it's all dependent on trust. Because if you don't trust Him, you need to sort that out before you can yield. But if you trust Him the way that Jesus trusts the Father then we can allow that to be unanswered because he will work all for our good. That's his promise. We will taste and see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But today only makes sense if I'm led with zero resistance to the spirit. And I believe that the revival that is brewing, can you feel it? It's brewing brewing. It's a revival not based on a model or a structure or a person. The revival is a family fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And that's what we are going to be. That's what we are and that's what we're growing in. Fully surrendered like Jesus because that's the way of Jesus. That is the way of Jesus. Um, The most amazing thing is like in his humanity... It says in John 14, the Son can do nothing by himself. He limited himself. This great King of the universe took on human flesh and he became the Son of God always because he was perfectly sinless. The Son of man. He took on the limitations of humanity and he says, There's nothing I can do by myself. How did he do it? By the Spirit. Unless that is true, he could never say to us, you will do the same as me and even greater. Because he was sinless, therefore the spirit could fill him, be with him in communion with the Father. His death, burial and resurrection, and the gift of that that we receive by grace through faith. We are, Romans 6, co-crucified with him. We die to the old man. We are reborn by the Spirit. We are buried with Him, and we are resurrected with Him to sit with Him in heavenly places. The mystery, we are seated with Him, and He is in us. And in the person of the Spirit, the two worlds collide. That's what happens this morning. In the person of the Holy Spirit is the crescendo of your salvation that the Spirit has been left with you, has filled you and keeps on filling you because that's where heaven and earth collide, in you. The same way it did in Jesus. And so when the Father looks at us, yes, our minds are still being renewed and our hearts are still being renewed as the Spirit teaches us. But he looks at us and he sees us enfolded in Christ which means we are perfected by his death, his blood. Therefore, the spirit can fill us and we can do the same as and more than what Jesus did. I mean, can't think here, must think by the spirit. We're gonna see the miraculous, not because we are great, because of the Holy Spirit in us, in us, in us. I wanna read this little excerpt. Um, Okay, Alexander, this is from a Bill Johnson book called When Heaven Invades Earth. Let's take another sip. Alexander the Great led his armies in victory after victory And his desire for even greater conquest finally brought him to the foot of the Himalayas. He wanted to go beyond these intimidating mountains, yet no one knew what was on the other side. Senior officers were troubled by this new vision. Why? They had never gone off the edge of their map. There was no map for the new territory that Alexander wanted to possess. These officers had a decision to make. Would they be willing to follow their leader off the map? Or would they have to live within its boundaries? And they chose to follow Alexander. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit can present us with the same dilemma. He never contradicts the word. Never. Because he is the author of this word. He never contradicts it. But he will upset perhaps your limitations or your understanding of how things work. That's what happened this morning. He wants to bust out of how you think it should all be. Are we prepared to follow him off the map? To follow him, we must be willing to follow off the map, to go beyond what we know. To so to do so successfully, we must recognize his presence above all. And that's where we want to get back to that place with Jesus. The Father and Son operation. The Father and Son conversation facilitated by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That is your inheritance. To listen to the conversations between Father and Son by the Spirit. To know the heart of the Father by the Spirit. To be empowered and anointed and led and guided and comforted by the Spirit. Just like Jesus did when he was here on earth. That is our mighty inheritance. I think we just need like a little refresher from the Spirit on that. There's a great difference between the way Jesus did ministry and the way it's typically done today. He was completely dependent on what the Father was doing and saying. He illustrated this lifestyle after his, the, his Holy Spirit baptism. He followed the Holy Spirit's leading even when it seemed unreasonable, unreasonable which it often did. When our focus is not on the presence of God, we end up doing the best we can for God. The intentions may be noble, but they are powerless in effect. That's the swap. That's the swap. I'm going to end quickly just with, with, a, with a, a prophetic picture from Deuteronomy that the Lord just showed me last week. I, I read it out at home church. Um, can you hold this for me? I have lost left out bunches and I've just gone as the Spirit has led, so we'll come back to that another time. So, Deuteronomy 11 says, and this is what I want to say is our inheritance, collective church, sons and daughters of God. The land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt. This is Deuteronomy 11, 8 to 12. From which you have come, where you planted your seed and irrigated by foot, as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is a land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. That was God's prophetic call to the nation of Israel. This is your inheritance, and this is a reminder of our inherit- inheritance. After 400 years of slavery, God brings them out of Egypt. He parts the Red Sea. He is their good, good, and faithful father. But they can never leave behind the slave mentality. For a journey that should have taken 40 days takes 40 years. And He provides, and He parts the sea, and He leads them. And their thinking is the thinking of a slave, even though, and the oh, the next generation it had to be the next generation that came and led the whole nation into the into the promised land because they'd only known the provision of the Lord. They'd never been able to get rid of their slave mentality the first generation. It had to be Joshua and Caleb, the next generation that took the promised land. So Deuteronomy is this love letter from the father to a generation that were slaves to teach them who they were. And this is the swap he's wanting Israel to make from dependence on themselves. In Egypt, you planted the seed, you tended the ground, then you got the crop. But now this is a land the Lord tends. He wants them to swap over to dependence on the Father and to total trust. And they can never make that transition. And it's the same for us. He wants us to go from self, from independence, from this is my best effort, to partnering, to being tended by the Spirit, from work coming from that place. It's uh, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 in the message. Let's walk together and work together. Let me teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. Watch how I do it. That to me speaks all about relationship. It's me and the spirit of Jesus. And he's like, mm, that, that, what you just did there, that wasn't like your how, how it should go. Watch me. Let me show you how to do it. Let's walk this step together. Not cool, God, I've got that. Let me do this. And then like, oh no, um, sorry, what, what are you saying about this? And there we go on in independence. It's not that. It's step by step dependence and awareness. It's the rhythms of Jesus. You know, Jesus withdrew to be with the Father just to get that clarity. If he needed it, Do you think that you can live your life without withdrawing? Yesterday afternoon, we did two hours of the overflowing cup with my mom. Two hours of just soaking in the Spirit. And Maddie and I got in the car. We were like, yo, we need that more. But it's really hard to do by ourselves during the week. It's so busy, you know? If Jesus needed it. (laughs) Friends, we need it. Withdrawing with the Spirit. Hearing the voice of the Father. In in Luke 4, Jesus is getting baptized, okay? And this is a beautiful picture of us. Did Jesus need to be baptized? No. He was sinless. He was the sinless Son of God. It was a picture for us, for me and you. Um, The first picture of what it looks like to receive the gift of salvation. So he goes under the water and he comes up. And the Spirit of God comes as a dove, sits on him and remains, i.e. fills him. And he hears a voice from heaven. My son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. That, friends, is the gift of salvation. You come. And that's why baptism is such a beautiful, powerful picture. It's a picture in obedience. We come, we die to the old man that is buried and left behind, we are reborn by the Spirit, filled by the Holy Spirit. That's what Rob was speaking about this morning. And we are continually filled. It's not a once-off encounter. We are filled and we filled and filled for all the days of our lives. And we hear the voice of the Father. My daughter, my son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus had done no ministry, nothing, it's just the Father delighting in you. Because now you've become your true self. You see, you've been born by the Spirit, you've become your true self, and he is delighted. And then the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. And it's so interesting because the Holy Spirit's leading is not always into comfort and ease. The Spirit may lead us, as He did Jesus, into places where we will be proven, tested, and strengthened for our future ministry after Jesus's greatest affirmation from heaven came a great time of testing. I think I've said this before. In the last years, we've had, we've gone through just significant tests and challenges and the revelation that I carried in myself of like, I'm a favored daughter. Man, that was so challenged a lot of that time. And I want you to see the difference, though, James 1. The tests do not come from God. It's the accuser that comes to Jesus in the wilderness. Yes, the Spirit leads us into places where he knows there will be testing because he's with us, but the tests do not come from God. There is no shadow in the Father. There is no shadow. The sickness does not come from him. The the, the attack, whatever it is, blah, 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 that, that does not come from the Father, but the Spirit leads us into the wilderness. And let's go back to, because this is a picture, obviously, of the Israelites as well. They went into the wilderness, and they could never trust, but Jesus trusted, because the wilderness is all about trust. And let me sit here and ask how many people are going through a journey of trust at the moment? The wilderness, right? Thank you. Me too. Thank you. Double hands at the back there. This is all about trust because it's all about trust. And the Israelites couldn't do it, but Jesus perfected it. He kept that identity in the Father. And the same venom that entered um, Eden that said to Eve and Adam, God is not good. You know what? You can do better by yourself. In fact, if you do it my way, it's a shortcut. It will be much greater. It's the same voice. Go and look at the testing in Luke 4. Hey, Jesus, is God really your Father? Are you like really who he says? Because maybe you should trust me. In fact, if you worship me, I'm going to give you that city. No. Every day, the wilderness is you're going to choose the voice of truth in the Father, that voice that said, my beloved son and daughter, I am a good father. I'm walking with you. Or you're going to go into the the lie, that accuser. Let's just take a little shortcut. Let's do it by ourselves. Can you really trust God? And that's what the wilderness season is. It's something of that, but the wilderness season is never the end, never the end. He has the inheritance of the promised land, that space where we trust his spirit to water the land of our lives and bring fruitfulness. That's the exchange happening here at the Collective Friends. Like I can feel it as he broods over in the soaking. Do you think it's only in this room? Never. It is infiltrating your life, like your relationships, your business things, your ideas. Like, you know, Romans says the realm of the Holy Spirit is not what you eat or drink or the rules or the programs, blah, blah. It is love and peace and the realm of the Spirit. When you participate in that realm, it's like that realm opens in your life. And the fruitfulness is beyond what happens in this room. But when we prioritize the lingering, soaking, the following in the Spirit, and we do it together as a vine, a vineyard, and we do it individually abiding in the vine, that's, that's the promise from Deuteronomy 11, where the Father will look out over our, the landscape of our lives. And we will experience supernatural fruit because of his presence. And so Jesus leaves the wilderness, led Filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he goes out and he says, "I'm here because the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me." To woo! Isaiah 61, to preach the good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted. That's what he and to declare the favor of God. Johannesburg, it is the era of the favor of God. It is the era where you can know His presence. We are the depositors of beauty. That's what Isaiah 61 says. We are the rebuilders of ancient places, the restorers. We will see the brokenhearted healed. We will see the sick made whole. We will see those that need Jesus come to him as we, lead, as we leave the wilderness, as we walk in our life, led, guided, and empowered by the Spirit, the way that Jesus was. Isaiah 61, that was the original mandate for this year, a reminder so we make space and we make room and we linger and we allow the spirit to break into the concrete areas of our life and we allow him to rattle our control and our paradigms and our, we allow him, we make space. That's what, that's the season we're in. And so this really, this morning is a prophetic declaration of like, you know, when you go to the Cairo and you get aligned, it's like, let's just get aligned as a community with what the spirit is doing in the season. We're gonna linger like this morning. We're actually gonna embrace where he wants to break out. We've been having such beautiful times on a Wednesday evening. Just sometimes we pray, sometimes we don't, we worship, maybe we won't. Like just (laughs) spirit, here we are. We just we just want you. Let's stand together, guys.